You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Steve. Glad everybody uh, decided to battle the uh, terrible weather we have outside. Um, I got here this morning, there was no snow yet, and then all of a sudden I look out and it looks like it's in the middle of a blizzard. Uh, Seems like it's backed off a little bit now. So we're going to jump in. Um, As you know, we're in Proverbs. And today in Proverbs, we're going to be uh, focusing in on a few things. Uh, as we get there, though, I wanted to kind of share something that was relative this week. I got a call earlier in the week um, from my mother. And my father's birthday is tomorrow, um, on the 12th of December. And so she shared with me that one of the things my father kept sharing with her was the fact that he really wanted all three of his sons and their families to get together for his birthday. Um, As many of you know, as you get older and kids start to have families of their own, it gets tougher and tougher for people to get together. Everyone has their own careers, their own lives, their own responsibilities to children, and it just gets tougher as a family grows for that whole family to get together sometimes. And so she mentioned to me, you know, your dad really, it's kind of been making him sad and it's really impacted him that his, his, he hasn't gotten to see all his boys together in their families, um, which kind of surprised me because I just saw my father two weeks ago at a family birthday party and we talked for like 45 minutes. We chatted about home improvements things that we need to do. I need to replace my deck in the next few years, things like that. We talked about deer hunting. Um, Neither of us have gotten one. Today's the last day of rifle season. It's weighing on me. Um, (laughs) But we talked about that quite vividly. Um, And then we even talked about our own work, things that are going on in our lives, things like that. But during this entire time, my father never mentioned to me that it had been bothering him that it had been making him sad that he hadn't seen all his boys together outside of a large family function like this. Um, So it kind of threw me a little bit when she shared this with me, that he had kind of shared with her the same issue. And, And I realized that my father had been impacted by kind of the same system and ideas that many of us had been impacted by. My father is not an emotion sharer. Um, He didn't share his emotions with him that day, and to be honest, in my 45 years of life, I could probably count on one hand the amount of times he shared an emotion with me, Um, and we've spent quite a lot of time together. We used to work together. Um, He's just not someone who wears his emotions on his sleeve. Um, He was raised in a a household or in an environment where, um, like many of us were, right, maybe you viewed emotions as unnecessary. Maybe you viewed emotions as... Um, inappropriate times. Maybe you even, especially with men, maybe you viewed emotions as weakness. And because of this, my father isn't comfortable sharing that, even when it's something that's really on his mind, like the fact that he misses his sons. Um, And that communication just wasn't there. I'm glad my mom was there to interpret for him. (laughs) Um, But it struck me in that as we looked at this. And I said, you know, while I'm sure if I talked to my father about this, he would tell me, that's just the way it is. Like, your dad, my dad was that way, and I'm that way, and that's just kind of how things are. But as I looked this week, and I was really kind of focusing in on um, proverbs and emotions this week, um, you know, it struck me, that may be how some of us were raised up, but it's not biblical. 
right? It's not biblical necessarily to stuff emotions down or to be afraid of them, for them to be scary or for us to avoid them, right? God displays emotions all throughout the scripture. God displays when he's, when he, um, God displays when he's angry. God displays when he's pleased. God displays jealousy for his people, right? And then when Jesus came and lived a, a, a perfect life as a man, Jesus displayed emotion. Jesus displayed joy. He displayed anger. He displayed um, sadness. He displayed grief. Um, but he displayed those all at an appropriate time and in response to an appropriate situation in an appropriate way. He engaged his emotions. He was not overrun by them. And there's a difference there. Our emotions are a good thing. God gave them to us. God even shows his own emotions through the scriptures. Right? They have a usefulness. Um, our emotions are there to draw attention to what we value. Our emotions point to what we love. Right? When we're sad, very often we're sad because we've lost something we care about. Or we're sad because so we wanted something we cared about and we haven't gotten it. Right? So, or we're disappointed because of that. Sometimes we get angry, and very often we're angry because something or someone we love is, or care about is being threatened. Whether it's ourselves or someone else, or a possession or a house or a vehicle, something of that nature, when things are threatened, we get angry. Right? But always those emotions point us to what we value, to what we care about. And that's the usefulness of emotions, is if we can read them and go, okay, then this is showing me what really matters to me. Hopefully those emotions should be pointing us to God. Right? These emotions are showing me that I'm having this response because of Jesus in my life. But sometimes they can also point us to areas where we need to grow. That's kind of the purpose of emotions. But like everything else in a fallen world, Things that God gave us for good can be twisted. Things that God gave us for good can be used against us or can become stumbling blocks for us. Um, so we're going to look at a little bit of both of these aspects today. Um, in the Proverbs that we look at today, we're going to look at joy and we're going to look at sadness. And that seems like two very opposite ends of the spectrum, but the two of them kind of work together as well. And they impact one another. And we're going to look at that too. Um, so the first thing that we look at here is we're going to talk about what is joy, right? When we think about joy, there's a lot of names that can encompass joy, right? We think of happiness, delight, elation, bliss, enjoyment, right? And normally joy, when we have joy, it's because it's a response to something. As I mentioned before, it's a response to something we care about, something we value. When we have that, or we're given something we care about and value, we get happy. Right? When we spend time with family, it makes us happy. Spend time with friends, it makes us happy. That's the response of emotion that we have, which is joy and happiness. There's also, in the Bible, there's also a, a larger concept of joy, which is the joy of the Lord. 
or biblical joy. And biblical joy is more extensive than that. Biblical joy is joy that comes from the Lord. It's perpetual, ongoing gladness that we have. It's gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting in Jesus. It's, it's a state that we're in, not just a response we have to uh, something that happens to us. Right? Somebody walks up and gives me $100, it makes me happy. But joy of the Lord, biblical joy, is a response I'm in ongoing. My heart is joyful because of the fact that I know Jesus, because I experience life change from Jesus in my life, and because I put my trust in Jesus. And that puts my, my heart in this state of joy. That doesn't mean that I'm always happy. It doesn't mean I'm walking around like, you guys would be like, what is going on with Pastor Steve? Like, that guy's always happy, like to a point where it's annoying, right? It doesn't mean that I'm always that way, right? There are things, something can happen that might make me sad. Something can happen that might make me angry. I might get disappointed from time to time. But throughout all of that, I have this joy in my heart that comes from Jesus. Because I'm someone who's given my life to Christ, and because I'm someone who trusts in God. And I know that even when there's bad things, there's disappointing things, there's sad things that happen to me, I trust in Jesus. And I know God has a plan. And I know that God takes care of us. So that's biblical joy, or joy in the heart, which we're going to kind of see talked about here in Proverbs. So, What's Proverbs say about these two things? There's a few Proverbs I picked out today. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 13, it says, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. Proverbs 17, 22 says, A joyful heart is a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And Proverbs 18.14 says, A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. So each of these, as you see, we kind of threw joy and sadness together, because in each of these Proverbs, they're kind of together too. Right? So I'm going to kind of break it up. We're going to talk about the joy pieces, and then we're going to talk about the sadness pieces. So what are the benefits of joy that the Proverbs tell us about? That's kind of our first point. Well, we see in Proverbs 15, 13, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. Again, that doesn't mean you have a huge, crazy smile on your face all the time, right? But a heartfelt joy, and what I want to point out here too is in these Proverbs, it talks about heart, spirit, right? This is, there's a few names for the heart, the spirit, the soul. We see it called a number of things, but it's the part of us that responds to God. It's the part of us that prays. It's the part of us that recognizes Christ. It's the part of us that, that recognizes and responds to salvation. That's our heart. That's, our, that's what we're always asking about. Is it in your heart or in your head? Right? Because this is the part that responds to God. It's the part that drives us. 
So a heartfelt joy, a joy that over is just in your heart, um, results in a pleasant disposition. Cheerful face, right? Or a pleasant disposition. What's that look like? Well, a few years back, I started a new job. And part of this job was that I was a training director for half of New York State. All, everything Utica and East, New York City, Plattsburgh, all of that. And at the same time that they hired me, this company hired another man to cover the western part of the state. And we were going to do the same job. So as part of this job, we got a company car, both myself and this other gentleman. And we'd never met one another. And both the company cars were here in Albany. Well, this other gentleman's office was out in Binghamton. So I saw this as kind of an opportunity. I called him up on the phone. I said, hey, we haven't met yet, but, you know, I'm doing the same job you are. Uh, your company car is out here, so why don't I drive it out to you? We can have lunch, and then you can drive me back to Albany. Then, in the end, we'll both have our company cars. So he agreed, and I went out there. I drove out, and I met this gentleman, Will. And this was about seven years ago now. And uh, we chatted. We went to lunch. We talked about the opportunity, the job, training, all that kind of stuff that we liked. And we just kind of chatted about it. And then we continued chatting on the drive back from Binghamton, which is about a two, two and a half hour drive, depending on where you're at. As we're driving, there's just a sense I got from Will. Right? We're talking about different things. And we didn't talk about, we didn't say, hey, what church do you go to? That didn't really come up. It was a work kind of related thing. Right? But we were just chatting about different things. And Will kept looking at me. And at one point, Will turned to me and he goes, you know, he said, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, matter of fact, you know, I said, um, we were talking about teenage programs and stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, I actually used to be a youth pastor. And he said, I knew it. <laughs> and Will shared, he goes, I've been a pastor. I pastor a church out near Cortland. Right? He said, I've been a pastor for 28 years. And we started chatting, right? The point was, is that when you know Jesus, it shows. When there's that joy in your heart that the Lord brings, there's an outward disposition that it brings to you. And even though Will and I hadn't shared right off the bat, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, we got that sense very quickly in a conversation with one another. Because we could see something was different about one another. Just as the world should see that there's something different about us. Right? And that's what it means when it says one of the benefits of joy is a glad heart makes a cheerful face. Right? Joy results in a pleasant disposition. It results in something different about you. Your behavior, your manners, your speech should be different because we trust in Jesus. And that should show. The second benefit of joy, and we see this in Proverbs 17, verse 22, a joyful heart is good for spiritual and physical healing. Proverbs 17.22 says a joyful heart's good medicine. But it's good for physical and spiritual healing. Um, I mentioned before, when I, I've preached before, I mentioned my Uncle Al, who was kind of a, a grandfather to me. And at one point, my Uncle Al broke his hip. He was about 84 years old. And at that age, chances of healing correctly go down tremendously. Um, he broke his femur and his hip. He had to have a lot of surgery to replace it. 
Um, but throughout this op, this whole situation, and it was very, it was struggling to him. He couldn't go see his wife, who was also in the hospital. He was kind of stuck in the house. But throughout, my uncle Al knew the Lord, and he kept this positive trust that God had a plan and that things were going to work out. Um, and I worked with him. He and I worked together because we, I, I kind of was, was a caregiver for him for a while. We worked together on his rehabilitation. Every morning he got up and he got, he wanted to get moving. He wanted to start trying to walk with a cane or a walker. Um, and he just, he kept this positive joy focused on the Lord throughout this really terrible situation. Some people, especially older you get, break a hip, which basically can mean that you may not walk again and it can just ruin their life. Right? It just is the end of it. And he didn't have that. He continued to just share, you know, the joy he had and his faith in God. And he knew that this, there's a reason for this. Um, and he continued to just share that. And on his, I think it was his 10 week visit, right? He, he walked into the doctor's office. He had to use a cane, but he walked in. And the doctor was amazed. The doctor was like, this is crazy. He said, you shouldn't. I would never have predicted you would be this far in your recovery by now. And my uncle said, well, you know, I just keep, I keep positive and I just believe in God. And I just, you know, I, I get up every morning. I do the stuff you tell me to do, which also kind of blew the doctor away. Because apparently that's not always the case. Right? He said, I do the exercises you tell me and we work and I try to get out and I try to walk as much as I can. And uh, the doctor was just kind of blown away by it. Um, that positive joy that he had aided in his recovery. And that's not just something we see biblically, right? Even people who, even people who are more science-minded or maybe aren't even Christians at all will acknowledge this, right? And I don't mean not science-minded, but I often say science is man trying to explain what God already did. <laughs> God's done things in the world already, and then we're trying to go, how did that happen? Then we explain it, and very often, the longer we explain it, it just comes out to show what we already knew God did, right? But many medical professionals will tell you that there's a strong benefit between a positive attitude and recovery. Um, people who don't have that attitude, people who just give up, and stay bedridden, it can actually adversely affect their health, and sometimes they don't recover because they've just given up, right? But if you stay positive and you trust in God and you trust in the Lord, there's a benefit to that. It keeps you motivated. It keeps you focused on God, focused on that goal of Jesus, and that helps propel you, and it helps increase recovery as well, right? Uh, medical professionals will, will, will say that now, God told it to us thousands of years ago. It's not anything new, right? But once again, we're just kind of pointing it out. So there's a number of benefits to having this joy in your heart. Um, there's a number, the benefits also help us in other ways. But let's look at sadness, which we also see here in the Proverbs. And we see a danger in sadness. The Proverbs kind of warn us about So, again, all emotions have a reason for them, right? And they have a use. And sadness is no different, right? Bad emotions or negative emotions 
can still have a use, right? It's not always bad to feel bad sometimes. Um, if we have a situation or a, an environment or something that impacts us, it's okay to have a negative emotion, right? If we lose someone that we love, being sad about it's appropriate. We should be impacted that way, right? It's a way of showing that we loved and that there's a loss, right? If something bad happens in us or something that affects us negatively happens, a response to be sad to that is, is appropriate. What the Proverbs here start to discuss with us, though, is when that sadness or sorrow invades our heart. When it stops being a response to a situation and starts becoming something that's now taking over and driving our heart. And that's where we have to be concerned and we have to be aware. So what are some of the dangers of that? And I'll show you because in, like, in Proverbs 15, at the end of verse 13, it says, you know, a glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. It doesn't just say sadness crushes your spirit. It says sorrow of heart. When that sadness has invaded you and has overcome you, it can crush your spirit. Crushed spirits. So what happens when we have a crushed spirit? And again, we mentioned this is the kind of this is the part of you inside that responds to God. Right? And so when you're overcome by this sort of sadness, what would happen with this? It's when you have it, it, this is this is something that happens to people in many different ways and many different reasons. Right? Sometimes there are medical reasons that can impact this deep sorrow that overcomes you. Right? Sometimes there's loss after loss after loss after loss. And it makes someone feel like there's just no way to get out. So you have this deep sorrow and deep sadness that just works its way in until it's now driving things. So how does this happen? Proverbs 17.22 says, A joyful heart's good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. We mentioned before how having your trust in the Lord can have a positive physical and mental impact on you. But have you ever seen someone who had a severe injury or a severe illness and just gives up? They're so overwhelmed by it that they just stop trying. Right? You may see a doctor or a nurse or someone that tells you the person's just given up. And things start to go downhill. Because that will to live, that goal, that light at the end of the tunnel, which is God, right? We should be focused towards Jesus. That's now been replaced by darkness. And there's nothing to drive anymore. So that can, whereas, whereas joy of the Lord can be a good medicine, that sadness that's soaked up and taken over your heart can crush bones. In Proverbs 18.14, it says, A man's spirit can endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. We may, be able to, we may be able to endure a lot. We can endure a lot of pain. We can endure a lot of illness. We can endure, endure a lot of injury. 
Um, but a crushed spirit is difficult to overcome. Right? This is when hope is lost in someone. And that's a really dark, devastating place to be. Remember who and what is important. Right? If you know someone or you've ever been in this kind of situation, right? It's difficult because everyone wants to help. Everyone wants to be like, what can I do for you? Why don't you just be happy? Right? How many people say, just be happier? Well, when you've been overcome by something like this, it's a little tough, right? We need to remember who and what's important, right? And that's joy in the Lord. We know the joy in the Lord comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting in Jesus. So that's where our focus needs to be. Our focus needs to be on the light of Jesus instead of that darkness that's trying to overcome us. Seek help from God in prayer. Seek help from God in His Word. And seek help from God in the people He's put around you. And in His people. We're all here, not just just sit silently by ourselves and listen to me talk. Right? We're here to help one another. We're here to fellowship, to support, to lean on each other as a family. Reach out to those people too. Fellowship, communion, prayer, those are the, the, the supports that help to kind of help fight off something like this deep, heartfelt sorrow, grief that can overwhelm someone. Proverbs 10.28 says, The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. So what am I saying here? Be joyful in Christ. I think that's the point. Where does hope come from? Our hope, or as it says here, the hope of the righteous. That's us. That's Christians. The righteous, those who do right. Yeah, those who do right according to God's word. That's us. We're not always perfect, but we can try to do what God has told us is right. The hope of the righteous, our hope, is in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in knowing Him. It's in experiencing life change through Him. It's in trusting in Him. That trust is something that can always defeat any kind of darkness that's in us. Right? The trust that no matter what happens to us here on earth, no matter what loss, no matter what illness, no matter what injury, um, what darkness we deal with, if we've trusted in Jesus, at the end, we get to be with God forever. And when we're with God eternally, there won't be any pain or anger or sadness or loss because there'll be nothing to, to produce that. And that's the trust and hope. That's the goal. That's the end of the line. Right? When, you, when I used to run track in high school, which was a long time ago, right? they used to tell you when you run, don't look down. You look straight ahead. Look at the goal. Right? Because if you start looking at how many steps you've got, it start, you start going, oh my gosh, I can't believe I still got half a mile to run. But if you're looking at the goal, that's what you focus on. And the goal of eternal life with God, that's our goal. 
And we know that we have that in Jesus. So any steps in between, whether they're stumbles, whether they're twisting an ankle, right? Whether they're falling into a hole for a minute, a pothole, something of that nature, right? None of that compares to what we know is lying at the end. And that's where we have to focus in times where we're being challenged in our heart, in our spirit. It mentions the expectation of the wicked will perish. Without this hope, there's only death. Ever known somebody who always expects bad? Somebody that always expecting the other shoe to drop. You'll say, oh, wow, you got a promotion at work. Yeah, but I'm sure that's going to go. I probably, now I have more responsibility. Now i got to deal with all these people. Right? There's always an expectation that something bad is happening around the end. Almost to a point where it's almost superstitious. Right? I don't want to get too happy because something bad's about to happen again. Right? That's kind of an expectation of the wicked. You're, there's no trust there. You're expecting bad all the time. Right? Then where's the trust? Where are, you, where are you putting your faith and trust in God that God has a plan? Right? And it's never, a good, it's, it's never a good situation to have that attitude of, well, something bad's going to happen again. Well, I'm sure might, we might have had a good day today, but tomorrow will be worse. Right? It's like Eeyore. You guys remember Winnie the Pooh? Right? Eeyore's like, uh, who, who? Why bother? Right? That's not showing a trust in God. Right? Trusting God says that God has something tomorrow. Right? God has a plan. God knows where we're headed, even when we don't. And we trust that God knows better than we do. So, if anybody here today is unsure where they might stand with God, lacking, you feel like you lack that knowing Jesus, that experience Jesus' change in your life, that trusting in God, if you're feeling that right now, right, I would really advise, talk to a pastor. Talk to myself. Talk to Pastor Sean. Talk to Pastor Dan. Because we want people to know and to experience and to trust in Jesus. Right? And to really understand the fact that we've been saved. And what does that mean? So reach out to talk with somebody. As we mentioned before, we're all here for one another. That's what we're supposed to do. Even if you don't do it, reach out to someone else. But the pastors, we're always here to talk with, with people. That's what, we're, you know, that's what we, we've, we've devoted ourselves to. That's what we enjoy and that's what we're called for. We want to minister to God's people, and we want to help when people have a question like that, or they're not sure they understand. Um, but it's tough for me to tell you joy is in knowing and experiencing and trusting in God. You're like, I'm not... Sure, what that means. Well, come and ask, right? And we can talk about that. Jesus came as a man. He experienced all the experiences that we do, including emotions. He suffered, he died, and he rose again so that all of us that trust in him could have everlasting life. There's nothing we have to deal with on this earth that Jesus didn't have to deal with. And he overcame it all. So we need to put our trust in him. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. 
for us to be together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that it just, you open our minds and our hearts, Lord, and you allow it to apply to our lives, Lord, so that we can see how to connect your word to us. We've all struggled with um, emotions, Lord. We've struggled with sorrow. We've been overcome with grief. And Lord, we ask that you just help to point us to you, Lord, that you help direct us in those times to Jesus so that we, our hearts can be filled with the, Lord, the joy of the Lord instead of being overcome by an emotion which is really supposed to just point us to things we value and care about, but not overrun us and start to take over our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this. We love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.